on November 7th, 1935, the Royal National Institute for the, Bi for, for the Blind accomplished something that changed the world. Britain, visually impaired community, some of whom had grown up with eyesight sufficient enough to read literary classics, had later on become blind. Nevertheless, they held out hope that someday they would be able to see again, to read again new works of literary perfection. The challenge, of course, as new books emerge is that they could not see. Therefore, they could not read. Recently, literary works of perfection were not available in Braille, simply unavailable to them because they could not see. After hearing of the 1926 release of the murder of Roger Eckert uh, by Agatha Christie, a visually impaired citizen made a strange plea to the Royal National Institute for the Blind. It came in the form of a question. She asked, can you make the book talk? She asked, can you make the book talk? I'm going to say it one more time. She asked, David, can you make the book talk? Believe it or not, they accomplished just that with the new advent of the gramophone. They took the book and put it on LPs. They accomplished what had never been done before. They made the book talk. But friends, more important than making literary classics talk is making the Bible talk. And the Bible doesn't need to talk through LPs, but GPs, that is God's people. That is the Bible that we read and believe and consume and eat needs to transform from the pages to our lives. As an old saying goes, Demeter, you might be the only Bible someone ever reads. And what do we call someone who lives a life according to the word of God? We call that person, here it is, a godly person. That is a person who lives in godliness. And our text today in 2 Peter seems to suggest by way of one word, godliness, that there needs to be a transfer from the words in this book to the lives of those who believe it is to be the word of God. Hallelujah. The apostle Peter sees this word as a really big deal. This word godliness. It is so important that he includes it in his big list. I like to title these things that are critical to successful Christian living. You ought to sit up in your seat now after I said that. Peter wants to give you some tools that will help you 
to live a successful Christian life. So if you're in a room today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I've been trying. I ain't been doing it perfect, but I'm trying to live this Christian life better and better each day. And for those of you, you should have just set up in your chair and say, if ain't nobody else listening to you, you got my attention. I know you're an Android user and I'm an iPhone user, but I'm still going to listen to you. Make sure you cleanse your lens, though, before you take them pictures. I'm just saying. That's an inside joke. Somebody, somebody feel me this morning. Last week in my essence, Danny preached. Can, can we thank God for Danny? I appreciate that, brother. Every time I reach out to him and ask, I say, I say, Danny, I need to go somewhere. He said, I got you, Pastor. I, I love Danny. He's a good dude. You should get to know him. Last week in my absence, Danny, Danny preached from 2 Peter about brotherly affection. In 2 Peter, the first chapter, we discover a sort, of, a sort of bone structure that the Christian life is protected by. Now, the importance of the human bone structure is that it supports the body structurally, protecting our vital organs and allowing us to move, Corey. This this bone structure that Peter gives, he suggests, will protect and support our faith and allow us to move along in the Christian journey. Each bone seems to be both vital and connected. I better run that back because I don't want you to miss that. Each bone seems to be both vital and connected. Although we have been preaching these bones one at a time, I, I, I want to remind you they are all connected to make one skeleton. I want you to see one structure here. Many of you recall this song. Your toe bones connected to your foot bone. And your foot bones connected to your heel bone. And your, come on, and your heel bones connected to your ankle bone. So you know what I'm talking about. And your ankle bones connected to your leg bone. And your leg bones connected to your knee bone. And your knee bones connected to your thigh bone. And your thigh bones connected to your hip bone. And your hip bones connected to your backbone. And your backbone, good God Almighty, is connected to your shoulder bone. And your shoulder bones connected to your neck bone. And your neck bones connected to your head bone. I hear the word of the Lord. Some of y'all act like y'all been in church the whole time. Y'all don't know how to dance. Y'all done lost your rhythm. Some of y'all ain't never had it, but for those of you who did, I want to give you Peter's version, though. I want to give you Peter's version. Here's Peter's version. The knowledge bone is connected to the self-control bone. The self-control bone is connected to the steadfastness bone. The steadfastness bone is connected to the godliness bone. And the godliness bone is connected to the brotherly affection bone. And the brotherly affection bone is connected to the love bone. And the love bone is connected to Jesus Christ himself. Somebody give God praise. I want to zoom in on that. I know you do. I ain't mad at you. Me too. I love all my bones. I can't have none of them. I want to zoom in on that godliness bone. My assignment this morning is to talk about, about the godliness bone. I like to examine this bone this morning. I, I like to walk around this bone this morning. I, 
I like to unpack this bone in your hearing so I can give you the importance of this bone in the Christian skeleton. I personally see this bone as the leg bone. But you can choose by the time I'm done whether you agree or disagree, but I'm going to try to convince you that it's the leg bone. But I ain't trying to fight or argue about it if you think it's an arm bone or whatever. It is what it is. I don't need any emails or nothing like that. I'm going to keep all my points today in the, forms of, in the form of questions. I'd like to start out with this first question. What is godliness? And we're going to arrive at the same destination at the same time without any complaints towards the pastor that someone didn't know where we were going. We all have to get on the same page in regards to defining this word, godliness. There's a couple of helpful, helpful definitions that I found, two of the best in my own opinion. Number one, godliness is simply godlikeness. Godliness is simply godlikeness. Literally means to worship well. It describes a man or woman who was right in their relationship with God and with their fellow, uh, with fellow human beings. It is that quality of character that makes a person distinctive. Godliness. This person lives above the petty things of life. Oh, I better slow down on that one. I better run that one back, Christian. Ooh-wee. This person lives beyond the petty things of life. Y'all didn't shout. You ain't never tried to live beyond the... See, y'all ain't never tried to live beyond the petty things in life. Sometimes as Christians, we can be petty. Y'all, you want to be petty? I can be petty too. Just keep looking at me. This person, Hannah, as best they can, tries to live above the petty things of life. The passions and the pressures that control the lives of others, they try to live above that. They seek to do the will of God, and, 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 and as they do, they, they also seek the welfare of others. Here's another definition. Number two. We must never get the idea that godliness is an impractical thing because it is intensely practical. Yeah, yeah, this is for those who, who say they love God but, but don't love their fellow person. Yeah, 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 this is for the people who think that they can be godly because they come to church, but when they leave church, they treat people like they don't matter. It's a practical awareness of God in every aspect of life. Godliness, this word literally means walking in view of his greatness. Mm. Walking in view of his greatness. That God is always before you. The one who created the heavens and the earth is before you. The one who speaks the world into existence. I'm talking about the one who has that ex nihilo power. That out of nothing power. God. It has reference to the person who has every action and every attitude yielded to the fear of the Lord. Every action, Bobby, every attitude is yielded to the fear of the Lord. This person spends their life in a state of godlikeness. This person spends their day serving God, now watch this now, and serving people. Serving God 
and and serving people. I know some of y'all struggle with that. That's why I'm taking my time because I I know some of y'all, like I just thought all I had to do was serve God. You talk about people too? People too. So now that we have a definition, I know, I know where you're at. Yeah, 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 I know. I came prepared. Yeah, pastor, I hear the definition and that's good. But pastor, you know as well as I know that this service is going to close in a couple hours. They didn't say nothing, Chris. I got all done. You should have seen how Lamont looked at me. Right now, brother. You're being here by yourself. I'm trying to live beyond the petty things in life, but you're making it hard for me. The reality is, is that is that I'm going to leave this place and, and I'm going to go beyond those doors and, and there's going to be some things waiting on me, some things that I've been struggling with. My struggling marriage is going to be waiting for me on the other side. My, my struggle, sometimes I struggle with this thought of singleness that will be waiting for me on the other side. I got some coworkers that I don't like, but I've been trying to like. And so, Pastor, I hear you about this word godliness, but you're going to have to speak to more than my cognitive brain. I'm going to need you to help me to know how to walk this thing out. Ah, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you're there because, because, because I got something for you. Yeah, yeah, I got something for you. And the reason why I got something for you, because though I'm a pastor, I'm trying to live this thing like y'all trying to live this thing. And sometimes I just need some practical steps. And how do I walk in godliness? And here it is. How do we grow in godliness? How do we grow in godliness? Number one, we grow in godliness by walking in the counsel of God. You see why I think it's a leg bone? Never mind. <laughs> Blessed is the man who walks, this is Psalms 1, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I want you to notice something. You'll notice immediately in this psalm that the godly person is separated in their walk of life. The godly person does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The godly person has chosen to listen to God rather than the wicked. And this psalm suggests to us that we can identify a godly person more by their legs than by their lips. I better say that one one more time. Is that we can identify a godly person more by their legs. You see why I say it's a leg bone? Never mind. More by their legs than by their lips. As you know, there's a lot of folks that, 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 that can talk to talk, but there's few people that can walk to walk, right? And so, and so what the Psalms is saying here is that, is that a godly person is known by their legs more than their lips. The biggest difference between a godly person and a wicked person is that the godly person takes God seriously and the wicked person doesn't. The word wicked comes from a Hebrew word meaning loose or out of joint. It refers to a person who hangs loose about God. A person that doesn't take God seriously does disregards the word of God. You see, the wicked person, self is the motivating force and not the fear of the Lord. For the wicked person, what motivates them is self. For the righteous person, it is the fear of the Lord. 
For the godly person who practices godliness is one who understands that God truly is an awesome God. The godly person fears the Lord and strives at every turn in his or her life to please God and to please God alone. The godly person realizes that it doesn't matter what other people think. As long as God is pleased, I'm all right with that. And Peter, friends, Peter, help me, Holy Ghost. Peter needs his audience to identify how a godly person walks both for their own growth and for their own protection. You see, Peter was concerned about the false teachers of his day carrying those under his apostleship away with false teaching and ungodly counsel. This is why he says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, referring back to that list, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election For if you practice these qualities, you will never, you will never, you will never, 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 never fall. You see, Peter, as do the other apostles, tells us we can know if someone is the genuine article children by the way that they walk. We can know if someone is the genuine article by the way that they walk. And Peter says, we can know if we are the genuine article by the way that we walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one was hard because we're always looking out there and never in here. Peter is like, you want to know if you're the genuine article? Look at whose counsel you walk in. One time my wife and I were in the mall, and she was looking for me. And she almost thought this stranger was me from a distance. We talked about that later on, but that's beside the point. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Oh, man, you almost threw me off my square now. LeBron James. (laughs) For those of you on live stream, they were wondering if uh, someone looks like LeBron James or does LeBron James look like me? And she almost thought the stranger was me from a distance. He had the same build, similar clothes. But she said, as I started to walk towards him, he started walking towards me. And she said, I knew that wasn't you because you don't walk like that. And I can tell you're walking a mile away, friends. What I'm trying to say is a godly person is known by their walk, and you ought to be able to tell it a mile away. Oh, yes, your coworkers ought to be able to tell you from a mile away. There she goes. There he, there he goes. That's the person that walks different, talks different, treat people different, carry themselves different. Not perfectly, but there's a love in this person that I don't see in everybody else. As a godly person is known by their walk. Yeah. Godly people walk different. Yeah. 
Godly people make the book talk by their walk. But, yeah, there is a but. Come on, pastor, you got to really help them out. But, can I be honest? I, I, I want to be honest without, without anybody judging me. I, 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 I want to put down my church mask without ending up on somebody's Twitter and Facebook page. Can, can I keep it a buck this morning? Uh, here, 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 here it is, here it is. And even the pastor is saying this, it's not always easy to walk in godliness. Hey, there it is, I said it. I don't care how many leg days you do in the gym. It ain't easy, Christian, ain't that right? To walk in godliness. It's not always easy. Come on, let's be real now. Uh, it's not always easy to live a life that has God as the main concern. Oh, y'all not going to talk to me this morning? Leave me by myself if you got to. I'll be honest all by myself. It's not easy to live a life walking in the view of his greatness. It is not easy to have every action and attitude yielded to the fear of the Lord. No, it's not easy. It's not easy to live a life in a state of God-likeness. We clap about it. We shout about it. But if we're being honest, we're not always about it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be honest this morning. Even if y'all leave me by myself and jump off the train now, it's not easy to spend one day serving God and serving people. I cannot take the honesty a bit further, fam. I mean, can, can I lay down the church mass and be transparent? You know why? You know why? You know why it's not always easy? And why it's so hard? Because godliness takes a whole lot of practice, and it don't always make sense. Uh, godliness takes a whole lot of practice, and it don't always make a whole lot of sense. It's not easy not to take the counsel of the wicked. Can we be honest this morning? God's way doesn't always make sense. Godliness takes practice and can sometimes be as confusing as Mr. Miyagi. Some of y'all know who Mr. Miyagi is. I didn't brought y'all some help because I know sometimes y'all don't always understand what I'm saying. And so I got to bring these illustrations to convey what I'm trying to say. Mr. Miyagi, y'all remember the movie Karate Kid? Young Daniel. Daniel's son? Asked Mr. Miyagi to teach him not karate, but karate. Yeah, tuck that in the pocket of your heart, karate. Miyagi agrees under one condition. Daniel must submit totally to his instructions and never question his methods. Daniel shows up the next day eager to learn. To his chagrin, Mr. Miyagi has him paint a fence. Miyagi demonstrates the practice. A motion for the job, up and down, up and down. Daniel, Mike, takes days to finish the job. Next, Yagi has him scrub the deck using a prescribed stroke. stroke. Again, the job takes days, and Daniel wonders, what does this have to do with karate? 
But he says, he says nothing. He's cool. Y'all know how it is. Nobody getting on your nerves. You got a few days in you. Some of y'all got less than a few days. Uh, 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 but I'm being gracious. Uh, he cool. He cool right now. You know, he got some stuff boiling on the inside right here. In a minute, he going to say something. But right now, he cool. All right, cool. You told me to do two jobs. Maybe I'm not seeing me. Maybe it's me. You know, that's what happened. That's when you don't go out the first time to me. Maybe it's me. You know, you go home, you say, you talk to yourself, maybe, you know, maybe I need to, you know, do A, B, and C, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then when you come to the conclusion that it ain't you, it's time for a conversation. So next, Miyagi tells, Miyagi tells Daniel to wash and whack three weather-beating cars and again prescribes the motion. Wax on, wax off. Finally, Daniel has had. Daniel, son, reaches his limit. I thought you were going to teach me karate. But all you have done is have me do your unwanted chores. Daniel has broken Mr. Miyagi's one condition. The old man's face is pulsed with anger. I have been teaching you karate. Defend yourself. Miyagi thrusts his arm at Daniel, who instinctively defends himself with an arm motion exactly like that used in one of the chores. Miyagi unleashes a vicious kick, and again, Daniel averts the blow with a motion used in his chores. After Daniel successfully defends himself for several more blows, Miyagi simply walks away, leaving Daniel to discover that the master had known all along. Skills come from repeating the correct but seemingly mundane action. The same is true of godliness, but many of us stop submitting to the master because we say, God, this don't make sense. I've been trying to live how you told me to live, and I've been trying to talk to them the way you told me to talk to them, and I've been trying to love them, and I've been painting fences, and I've been waxing on, and I've been waxing off, but this scrap ain't producing nothing. God, I'm done, but child of God, if you would hold on long enough, you'll discover that God has been teaching you not just to just do Christianity, but how to live this thing in such a way that when the devil throws a kick at you, you'll block that. And when he throws a punch at you, you'll block that. And you'll say, oh, you've been teaching me patience all this time. You've been teaching me how to trust on you all this time. And when you do it, he'll give you peace that you never had. He'll give you joy that you never had. When you hold on to God's unchanging hand. Daniel, son, I know that it's hard. And I know you're tired of waxing cars. And I know you're tired of scrubbing porches. And I know you're tired of doing the right thing. Come here, Daniel, son, because sometimes you want to go off. But I am here to tell you that Mr. Miyagi knows what he's doing. Yeah, he does. And see, and see, the godly person has to listen to Mr. Miyagi. But you know, a lot, of, a lot of folks have stopped. And many are in doubt and sin and trouble because they reached a place in their walk with God where they just didn't care anymore what God thought about anything. But friends, what Peter is encouraging us in the psalmist is that godliness pays off in the end. If we walk in God's counsel, even when he tells us to wax cars and to paint fences. 
Oh, I know this church. I know it. I know it. I know it's hard to follow him sometimes. But, but not only are you going to grow in godliness by walking in his counsel, I want to give you something else. How else can we grow in godliness? By delighting in God's word. Yeah, this one is good. You're going to lean in on this one. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And on his law, he meditates what? Day. day. On two occasions. Day. Some of y'all with me. Some of y'all been in church too long. But I know y'all radios ain't on uh, 90.1 all the time or 102.3. It's all good. You know what else kept Daniel's son walking in the council of Mr. Miyagi? You know what really made him wax cards and paint fences? He had a love for karate. In fact, he loved it so much, he made a Netflix series called Cobra Kai. That man is still kicking today. Notice. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, you still at it. This came out when I was like three. He still, he still got a dojo. I say, man, I want to be committed to the Lord like Daniel's son was to karate. You know, I want a Netflix series called Bethel Gary Kai. Something I don't know. I don't know. Maybe later. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> pray for me. Pray, pray, pray for me. I need it. All right. Notice that the godly person is in love with God's word. No, like, no, no. I'm not talking about uh, check out, check in the box. I'm not talking about let me read this word so I can feel godly and then really get on to what I really want to do. No, 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 no. This person is in love. With God's word. The word preacher, I help them. Uh, 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 the word has captured their affections. It's, it's taking their affections hostage. The writer explains the motivating force behind the living of the godly person is his love for his word. The godly person loves God's word more than Lila loves my words. I told y'all, my little daughter, Lila. Uh, uh, we were walking to the park the other day and, uh, you know, I've been holding her hand and as we go to the park, I, you know, I've been teaching her, uh, Lila, before you cross the street, sweetie, you got to look both ways. And usually, you know, I've been holding her hand and doing that. I let her, let her hand go the other day. I went too far away just in case y'all think I'm a bad dad or whatever. <laughs> and I say, Lila, you got to look both ways, sweetie. Before you cross the street, she gets an attitude with me. She throw her nose up in the air and go like this. And walks across the street to get to what she really wants to do. But what she doesn't realize is to not allow your father's word to grab your heart. You are putting yourself in danger. And friends, what the psalmist understands is that without the word of God, that he's in danger. And many of us throw our nose in the air. And we try to write God off. But this is not what the psalmist is calling us to. The psalmist is not calling us to this kind of casual, kind of cavalier posture towards the word of God. 
No, 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 no. The psalmist is calling us to the sort of valuing of God's word. Listen, church, God's word has to be more than a Sunday sermon, more than a check in the box. Yeah, yeah, it has to be more, more than that. What's what's, what's some poetic you can use, preacher, to help them out? Uh, Will, it has to be, it has to be air to your lungs. Uh, Here's a pickup line. Some of you guys will remember this. It has to be the wind beneath your wings. Because if it is, I'm telling you, it will keep you and it will guide you. No, no, like for real, like. No, like straight up. No, like, 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 no, no, like, 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 for real, dog. Like, 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 for real, for real. Like, 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 seriously. Like, 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 it will, it will actually guide you. The psalmist says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, zoom in on that word law. Now, the word here for law is Torah. It simply means instructions. Not information, but instructions. Information is broad. It's random. Instructions is specific and assumes guidance. The word of God instructs the godly person into godliness, Daniel's son. It shows the godly the way they are to walk, Daniel's son. And the godly person bends their life to it, Daniel's son. This person spends their life in a state of godlikeness. The godly person, the godly person walks the counsel. God because he loves his word. Not only that, but the godly delights in God's word, meditating on it day and night. He doesn't just have a quiet time in the morning and then goes about the rest of the day forgetting God. No, the godly person meditates on God's word. In fact, the word meditate means a constant chewing and mulling over. This man or woman is of the word. And as a result, of this person living under the word of God, this person becomes righteous. They become clean. Child of God, one of the side effects of living under the authority of the word of God is we become clean. Oh, some of us can testify this morning. The preacher doesn't have to cheer you on or anything because some of you have been sitting under the word long enough that things that you thought that would never fall off of your life have come off of your life. Not because you're strong, not because you're intelligent, not because you're better than anyone else, not because you got degrees, not because of where you live, but you got up under the word of God and you didn't know it was as powerful as it truly is. I wish I had some folks in the room that have experienced the power and the authority of the word of God. Y'all, I'm telling y'all, I'm not telling you something that I heard. I'm telling you something that I know. There's some things that were on my life that had me bound, had me locked up, had me arrested. And I sat under a Bible study for two years and stuff started falling off. And I thought that that was powerful, but I found out that God is more powerful than any sin. When we soak ourselves in the word of God, we become clean. We achieve what Peter is encouraging his audience. We grow up. Growing up, we didn't, we didn't have a dishwasher. And sometimes I would encounter a certain dish, a pot, or a pan that was so dirty that you had to use forks and knives. To get at it. See, some of y'all gonna be real. See, I'm a little hood. You know, I couldn't afford the Brillo pads and stuff. So I had to get the fork 
and I had to get the knife. And Corey, I had to go to work because I ain't going to let no pot make me a punk. And so I said, come on, pot. You want this? Bring it on. I'm talking about that pot that you leave out a couple of days and it done broke up happy homes and then marriages. I didn't marriage counsel folks through this. And pastor, he just won't watch the pot. Why well, won't watch the pot? <laughs> is it that one that been sitting out for two days? I, well, I kind of understand why, you know, it is difficult. But y'all, I, I, I learned a trick, though. I learned, I, learned, I learned a trick, and I want to let you in. This is not just going to help you walk, work, work in godliness. This is going to help your dishwashing go smoother, too. I discovered that if you let the pan soak in the water for a long period of time, that after a while... That egg that wouldn't come off, that oatmeal that wouldn't come off. If I'm, if I'm in your Kool-Aid calling out the flavor, you ought to say amen. Uh, 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 when I call out your dish in that spaghetti pot, that spaghetti sauce that wouldn't come out, if you let it sit for a long period of time, what I found out is that it'll just, it'll just slide off. When that pan just meditates in that water, it'll, it'll just slide off. I didn't have to scrub it too hard. It would just slide off. And a lot of y'all trying to scrub things out of your life when God... God is saying, all you got to do is get up under my word, and some of it will just slide on on off. I see, I see you're having trauma. Uh, you see, the word is far more useful. Not only is it dishwater, but it's food. It's milk for the baby. It's meat for the growing. It'll provide all we need to make us strong in the Lord. Hold on, I'm not done. It's bread for everyone. It's life. It's truth. I'm not done. It's, it's a mirror. It's water. It cleanses. It quenches. It refreshes. It's a seed. No, it's a sword. Uh-uh, no, it's a hammer. No, it can build you up. It can tear you down. It's a fire. It's everything that you need to walk in godliness. If you want to grow in godliness, you got to delight in the word of God. Friends, I really don't want you to miss that last point. You cannot do this life apart from God's word. Like you just can't. But why be godly? Why desire godliness? Thank you, Pastor, for giving me the definition. Thank you, Pastor, for giving me the practical steps on, on, on how to walk in godliness. But, Pastor, why would anybody want to walk in godliness if God has to break me like he did Mr. Miyagi? Why would anyone, Daniel son, want to learn godliness if God got to break you, he got to change you, he got to transform you, he got to renew you, he has to, he has to bend your will, he has to bring you to a place where you say, not my will, but your will be done. Why you the world would anyone want to be godly? Why godliness? We know in Peter's day when we understand the context of 1 Peter we too would ask why would Peter tell them to be godly? We know in Peter's day that the emperor Nero was persecuting those who walked in godliness. Why would anyone in their right mind Want to be godly? 
Why should we bend our lives into God-likeness? Pastor, you do realize that persecution usually accompanies the godly. Paul said it this way, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, not might be, not maybe, but will be persecuted. Why would anyone sign up for godliness? The psalmist answers this question with the very first word of the psalm. He answers it for us. Very first word. As soon as you open Psalms 1. As soon as you open the book of Psalms, he tells you, here it is, it's coming, wait for it, it's getting ready to land on you, church, you're going to want this one, here it is, blessed. I wish I had something profound and deep and theological, but that's all I got, that's all I got, that's all I got for you, it's blessed, Rick, blessed. Why should I give myself to being like the godly person? Because if I do, I will experience the blessed life. Persecution doesn't sound blessed. Not having friends doesn't sound blessed. Being on the outside doesn't sound blessed. But friends, when you got God, you got everything that you need. What does this word blessed mean? The word blessed simply means happy. Oh, you better preach, Pastor. This is, this is the way to freedom, friends. No, this is the way to wholeness. This is the way to make your calling and election sure. The wicked path is not the way home, church. You see, the psalmist contrasts the godly and the ungodly. Notice how the psalmist describes the ungodly person. He says they are like chaff. He says, the ungodly are like chaff. Now, he's using an agricultural analogy to describe the wicked. During the winnowing process, the farmer had one goal, to separate the chaff from the wheat. He would take his winnowing fork and toss the grain into the air over and over and over again. Why? In that process, the heavier kernel of grain would separate from the lighter chaff and fall to the ground. But because the chaff was so light, it would blow off into the air. It, it didn't have enough substance or weight to fall to the ground. It just flew away. And, and what the psalmist is saying is sometimes the ungodly may appear that they're doing better than the godly. But when the wind comes and the waves blow, those who are ungodly will just blow away. But those who are godly, when the wind blow and the waves come and the fire comes, when it all clears, you'll still be standing. You'll be standing in your right mind. You'll be standing firm-footed because God keeps the godly. You'll still be standing. You'll still be there. Not because you're better than the godly. Because you are standing on the rock that cannot be shaken, friend. I'm trying to help somebody desire godliness this morning. And guess what? And it'll be the ungodly running up to the godly asking you questions. Why you got peace in this storm? Why you so joyful? Why you so happy? Don't you know you ain't got no money in the bank? Don't you know your job is at threat? 
Don't you know that all hell is breaking loose? And then you'll have the opportunity to say, well, let me tell you, I got a God who's a keeper. He'll wake up way out of nowhere. I got one who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you may ever think or even ask. Friends, Peter is saying, Chris, Peter is saying, if you don't want to blow away or get pulled away from God or lose faith, add godliness to your skeleton structure. Before we close, we need to again remember the reason Peter wrote this. Peter, at the end of his life, was concerned about us, the church. His audience was a different group of people called the church, but ultimately it is us. And there are distortions of God's word and great cultural persecution in our day, just as there was in his. And what the message Peter is sending, in light of the biblical distortion, the lies and the persecution is this. God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to eternal life in the future and how to live a godly life right now. Through the knowledge of him, who called us, he's granted to us his precious and great promises, making us, this is the part right here that get me. I'm sorry, y'all give me a moment. <clears throat> making us partakers <clears throat> of his the very divine nature. Allowing us literally to escape from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Church, that means if you are a Christian, hold your shout. If you are a Christian, you are equipped to do this. No, you are fully equipped. No, you're more equipped than a Tesla to drive by itself. One day I was riding with my friend in his Tesla in the streets of Cali. I'm almost done. I didn't kept y'all too long. But I got to get this one out. One day I was riding with my friend in his Tesla. Uh, we was in Cali. And I noticed, now, and I noticed that I said his Tesla. Because I can't afford one. <laughs> of course, Tesla have, they have different models, y'all. And I said, hey man, uh, uh, is it true that that this car drives by itself. I wanted to know. I was curious. He said, he said, yeah, man, it drives by itself. I said, man, that's dope. I said, man, I got to get me one of these, man. I said, I can, ride, I can write my sermon while, while, while driving to my destination. That's just me. That's just me. You buy your car because the reason you buy your car, and I buy my car because the reason I need buy my car. I said, I need to get me one of these, man. He said, he said, hold on. He said, hold on, dog. Wait, 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 wait. I said, what's up? He said, well, you can buy a Tesla, but that doesn't mean it's going to drive by itself. I said, what you mean, man? I said, hold on now. Tesla is known for two reasons. You mean to tell me that if I pay all this money, that is not a guarantee that it's going to drive by itself. He said, I said, I said, I said, now I know two things about Tesla. Number one, they don't need gas. Hallelujah, 
praise the Lord, somebody. And the second thing is that they drive by themselves. So you're going to have to tell me that. He said, yeah, man, but the feature doesn't come with it. You have to spend almost another 10000 for that. So I said, you mean to tell me just because I buy a Tesla, it doesn't mean I get the full package deal? He said, no, man, it all depends on what you're willing to pay. Well, friends, that's the bad news, but I got some good news. When Jesus paid for your life, it came with every feature. And when Peter says, add godliness, he's not saying that you got to go buy it. If Jesus has already paid for it. When they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet and a crown of thorns on his head, he paid for every single thing that we need in order to live a victorious Christian life. In other words, you ain't got to go in your own pockets to pay for godliness. It came with the package. All you got to do is put it to use. I'm done after this. So he wasn't done. He said, he said, he said, one more thing, man, before we park this thing and get out of here, since you here, man, I, you know, I need somebody to talk to. He said, he said, you want to know what the tripped out part is? He said, I bought this car for my wife. And he said, man, you ain't going to believe it. I can sense there was an attitude in his voice. And I can sense the anger. I thought I was going to have to go to marriage counseling right there in the car. I said, you need to let this thing drive by itself because you ain't. You don't, need to be, you don't need to be driving right now. You got a lot of anger in you. And he said, man, he said, can you believe that she doesn't even use the feature? I said, that's jacked up, man. That's jacked up, man. But before you judge her, we Christians have been given every feature that we need in order to drive this life all the way home. And sometimes we don't even use it. And God paid more than $10,000 for you to have every single thing that you need. And it'll be a shame if you walk this life and you don't use every single feature that he's given you. You better use brotherly affection. You better use knowledge. You better use godliness. Because when you do, Peter says that you will not fall. So in closing, I say to this, to you. You and I can walk in godliness because it comes with our salvation. Peter says his divine power has granted to us all things, all things, Daniel's son, that pertains to life and godliness, Daniel's son, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Praise be to the living God, church, who has given you everything you need to leave here.